Has anybody ever made a bad financial decision? I made one, one time. It was my first car. On the count of three, everybody shout out your first car. One, two, three. Yeah. My first car was a 1982 Buick Sabre. It wasn't that the make of car was bad. It was that this particular car was bad. It was a hoopty. How many know what a hoopty is? So hoopty is described as a car that really should probably be driven off of a cliff. And yet we still pour money into this money pit, hoping that the next fix will actually fix it so it's drivable, but it never works. I bought this car. My mom was so angry with me. And uh, she said, you should know better. And I'm like, what, what? I'm 16 years old. I've worked really hard for this. And my parents gave me some money as well to help me invest in a car. And um, I brought home this car with three different size tires. Buick LeSabre, I called her my LeSabre Tooth Tiger. Come on, everybody. And then the headliner started to fall on me. The headliner is the ceiling of a car, and it's like the fabric starts dipping down really low. So I'm riding, but like the fabric's riding on top of me. And then I had a hole in the back of the taillight. And so anytime that it rained, it would fill up with water. And my friends would make fun of me because, you know, when they're following me, they say, Sean, it looks like you have an aquarium in the back of your car because the brake light, you know, the water would just kind of float in there. Had to drill a hole so it would drain out. Just, I fixed it so many times, and so many times it would break down. One morning, I'm, go, I'm going to work in Oakland, and, and it starts making this noise like it's laughing at me. It's like, driving down Telegraph. I was like, just keep driving, you know. Those of us who are not mechanically inclined, when the check engine light comes on, we just put tape over it. Come on, everybody. That's how we fix the check engine light. So this thing starts falling apart. It, it oil pump. Apparently, cars need oil. What? And uh, oil pump blows, and the engine's not good. And it was just a bad financial decision. I wish that it could be said that there are a li- there's a limit to one bad financial decision per person. But I'm here to tell you there's a lot more where that came from. And today, I want to help you in this series get freedom in this area. We've experienced some freedom in that over the years, and I want to help you. I want to help you. This series is for you, all right? So I want to talk to you a little bit about what that would feel like, what that would be like, because I believe that, that there's so many people that struggle in this area, and they don't have to, all right? It, it doesn't have to be unnecessary pain. And I want to help you get free in this area, especially during this season. Love this season. How many love Christmas? You love Christmas season? It's the best. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, we love it. We love it. We've been playing music at the, in the Nepset House, Christmas music, since August. Charlie Brown, little Michael Buble, Christmas. It's 110 degrees outside. Like, come on, Diana. And um, so anyway, we love this season, and I love how we begin to ramp up our generosity, even in this season, to where we want to give more, and that's great. We're already planning as a church areas of compassion that we can give to locally, nationally, and internationally. It's going to be a lot of fun. And you are some of the most generous people I know. I mean that. And a lot of you, maybe, maybe you don't even feel like you need this message. But I want to tell you today, there's a lot of people who are greedy. And I, I don't feel most people are greedy. I, there's some people that are greedy. I feel most people are strapped. 
Like, they, they want to be generous. They want to give more. They want to be a part of that. And I feel like that, you know, most Christians are not stingy. They're strapped. We want to help you get unstrapped. We want to take the seatbelt off. And for some of you, the straight jacket off. And so you don't feel as strapped and as, you know, like you're losing your mind and that you really could have some peace, financial peace in this area. Problem is, most people don't have any plan for their money. And I want to help you plan it. This is a freedom series. This is all for you, and we want to help you. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Go there with me in your notes or on the screen or in your Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9 says, Those who want to get rich, okay, that's their main focus. Like, man, this is all I want to do. They fall into temptation and a what? A trap and into many foolish and many harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Okay, this verse is not vague at all. For those people that make money their focus, that is their God in their life, it leads them to make all types of bad decisions, leads them to financial ruin, spiritual ruin, relationship ruin, and destruction. Verse 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice with me, the Bible does not say that money's bad, money's evil. Some people have said that out of context. Money's not bad. It's, it's amoral, okay? It's like it could go good or it can go bad. It depends on what you use it for. So money is, can be a good thing if you're investing in the right places, using it for your family, all of that great stuff. But the love of money, when, it, when it's all-consuming, that begins to become evil for you. And some people eager for money do crazy things. They've wandered from the faith. They've pierced themselves with many griefs. Okay, look at me, everybody. There is a trap when it comes to finances. And a lot of us know what that feels like. And I want to encourage you, you can climb out of the trap. This is going to be a way out series. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 34. Very interesting verse. The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's such a short verse. Let's read it out loud. Everybody together. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be Okay, look at me, everybody. Wherever your stuff is, your heart follows. Now, I know all of us in the room, we're, we're thinking like, man, I want my heart to be with God. I want to follow God. Well, great. God would then come along and say, then your stuff needs to be headed in that direction. Because wherever your stuff is, that's what consumes your thoughts. That's what you're thinking about. That's what you're, you're emotionally attached to. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. In other words, your stuff It's calling the shots. Now, many people have a bad view of money or they don't have a plan for money. And if you don't have a plan or you have a wrong perspective of money, it's not going to work. This is going to be a bad season for you. Come on, how many have ever been in a bad season financially? Come on, wave at me, everybody. Let's be honest. You had a bad season financially where your money was funny and your credit won't get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just a bad day, right? It's a bad season to be in. Well, I want to help you get out of that. I've been working since I was in sixth grade, and I'm thankful to my parents for instilling in me some very good values when it comes to money, you know, spending, not getting in debt, all that stuff. Really grateful for that. But here's the honest truth. Every one of us has made a bad financial decision, and look at me, everybody, and it stings real bad. Okay, listen, it it had to sting. If we're ever going to get past it and grow from it, it had to sting. When you bought that car and you're like, oh, why did I do this? You bought that, cl- that, 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 those shoes. You bought that, 
that investment or you bought that house and, and it tanked and you're like, oh dear God, I'm the only one. Okay, you're not the only one. We've all made bad financial decisions. The problem is most people have zero systems for their money. When it comes to other things in life, they have systems. But when it comes to money, it's, they have zero systems. But let me give you five steps, okay? If you're going to meet with a financial planner, here are five things that they would tell you to do. And I want to encourage you. We're going to go here, and then we'll go deeper. I'll give you the surface first, and then after that, we'll go deeper. Sound good? Say yes. Okay, number one, write this down in your notes, income. Income. You say, well, what about that? Well, you need one. <laughs> you need to learn how to make money. Deuteronomy says that God has given us the power to get wealth so that he can establish his covenant with us. It's not just so we can get rich. He's establishing his covenant inside of us. We want to be a blessing to other people. But I want to encourage you to, to learn how to make money. Find a job. Don't just play video games till you're 25. Get a job. Get a jobby job. And learn how to work and work with a great work ethic. Show up on time. Show up early. Leave late. Have a great attitude. Be a self-initiator. Some of these things that are very, very helpful. And listen, thank God for a government that will help somebody when they're going through a difficult season financially. Thank God. God bless America. But welfare should not be a career choice. I'm encouraging you, if you don't have a job, our full-time job ought to be for looking for a job. Like, let's, let's hustle out there. Let's make sure. And God is the one who grants that. If you don't work, the Bible says you don't eat. And I want you to eat because I like food. So let's, let's focus on that and, and, and begin to find people that can help you assist with that. So income is important. Number two, write this down. Spending is, is important. Some of you are like, amen, preach it. No, I'm talking about controlling the spending. How many have the gift of shopping? Amen, everybody. That is not a spiritual gift. If it was, you would be an expert. This is where your money is going bye-bye. Yeah, you made it rain, and now there's a drought. This is a struggle. 90, listen, 90% of Americans do not have a budget for their money. 90% have no clue where their money's going. I'll tell you where it's going. It's going to four bucks. It's a coffee shop. Or people are spending their money and they have no idea where it's going. They're just spending and spending as they, as they see something like, hey, can, can we afford it? Let's just, yeah, let's buy that. And then what happens is at the end of the month, you have too much month at the end of your money. And the last week or so, you're scrambling around like, what am I going to do? i got to figure something to do because I have no money. And then you go to the bank teller. How many have ever gotten like a loud bank teller? You know why they're called tellers? Is because they like to tell everybody. You go in there all quiet like, hey, I was wondering if you could just tell me my balance. You're getting like a loud bank teller. You got $3.22. Shh. She's she playing. She's just messing around. She meant $3,000. Thank you. Move the decimal over. Well, when you get in a place that's bad financially, it is no fun. It's, there's no stress like money stress. It's one of the number one reasons people divorce. It's one of the number one reasons people give up in life and they throw in the towel because of despair. We need to control the spending. Number three, number three, we need to save. 
Save. I know this is a four-letter word that many of you have never said. Save, ladies and gentlemen. Save. Say it with me. Save. That's, just, that's a biblical principle, to put money away for a rainy day. There's a great verse, not in your notes, but Proverbs 21.20. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and oil, but fools spend all that he gets. A fool, I pity the fool, who spends everything that they get. Whenever they get it, it's like money's burning a hole in your pocket, and you just got to go buy the new shoes, the scarf, the shirt, whatever. I'm just saying you need to save, 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 save. Here's, here's a staggering statistic. You ready for this? The average American spends 136% of their budget. And the average American spends 136% of their income. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Sean, that doesn't even make sense. I know. That's why we're in such financial turmoil as a nation. Because it's when we begin to spend more than what's coming in and we think, we got this, charge it. MasterCard is called master for a reason because you're going to be bowing down to it. Yes, master. Yes, master. Chase, <laughs> they're going to be chasing you. I'm, t- I'm trying to tell you, this is not fun and games. This is serious. So here's some baby steps. Write this on the side margin somewhere. Baby steps is get $1,000 in the bank as fast as you can and put that as an emergency fund. That is not for the new shoes. This is an emergency. The shoes just came out. It's not an emergency. The video game. No, it's not an emergency. This is for a legitimate, the dryer broke. We need a new dryer. We have, we have something broke down on the car because I have a 1992 vehicle saver. No, you need something. That's where you take the emergency money out of. All right. Number, number two, you need to then get out of debt. Debt is poison. Debt will ruin you, man. Don't think that. The average person just thinks, oh, it's, just, it's just normal to live with debt. Okay, if that's normal, then don't be normal. Let's learn to pay down our debt and take the smallest one and pay that down first while paying the minimum payments on the other ones. Then take the second large, second smallest, pay that down. And then this, all the way until you're debt free. Can you imagine what it would feel like to have zero debt? I'm talking about everything but your home, okay? What would that feel like? How much extra money would you have every month? How much breathing room would you have if you had zero debt? You get a promotion. The problem is we end up raising our cost of living. And then we get another promotion and then we raise our cost of living. Then after you pay off debt, write this down, get three to six months of finances of income in the bank. Okay, when you do all these three, when you get there and you can get there, we've had so many people get debt free in our church. They've tried for years seven, eight years to try to do it by themselves, couldn't do it, come here in two, two, one to two to three years, they're debt-free. And we want to help you with this. We have Financial Peace. It's small groups. It's called Financial Peace. You can see it on our website under small groups. And uh, join one today. And in the beginning of the year, we're going to do a financial seminar to help people understand what to do with their money so their money doesn't get funny. And uh, I think it's important, though, to save. When you can do all these first three, you get your income going, you control your spending, you're saving some, you're living with margin, then number four becomes fun. You can invest. You can invest. This is fun because your money starts working for you, and you are not working for your money. The money starts making money. And the earlier you do this, as, a, as, as young as you possibly can, begin to invest. Again, after you've done the first three, because the compound interest is going to be amazing for you. The younger you start, the better it will be. 
if somebody starts at 25 and they're giving a little bit and somebody starts at 40 and they're giving the same amount, the guy who's giving 40, even if he gives more, will never catch up to the guy who gave 25 because of the compound interest. The average car payment in America is $484. If you took that money, $484, at age 25, how many 25-year-olds and under here? Wave, wave at me, wave at me. Okay, 20, put your hands down. If you invested that same amount, $484, $484 at age 25, all the way every month, as if you were paying a payment for a car until you're 65, guess what? You would have $5 million by the time you're 65. I hope you like that car. So you learn to invest. Number five, write this down, giving. Giving is important. Giving. And even, even non-believers, even non-Christians understand that our lives ought to be marked with charity. And so we give. And the average person that's a non-Christian gives about 3% per year of their finances to give to make, you know, to, non, to charitable uh, organizations and such. Well, the average Christian gives 3.8%. That's kind of sad. It's only 8.8% higher than somebody who doesn't even understand these biblical principles. But it's important that we learn how to give and bless others, okay? So that's five. Those are five. And if you do these five, it will change your life. It really will help you. But can I take it now a step further? Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe in a supernatural God who's able to do things that don't make sense to mankind. And when God is looking at us, he's trying to get our attention when it comes to this area. Look at this great verse, Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1 verse 5. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. Well, that doesn't make sense. And then he says, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. And look at this next part. You earn wages, you're, like you're earning wages only to put your money into a purse with holes. How many would say you can relate to that? It's like, I have a job. This is great. And you, got, you get paid. You're like, man, this is awesome. Let me just put this away. For, okay, wait a second. We got a little bit more money. This is coming in from over here. Okay. Oh, we got a tax return. Let's put this away. And it's like, at the end of the month, where's my money going? It's like I'm, I'm earning money, but I'm putting into a purse. It's kind of scary. It's like, here's Johnny, you know. <laughs> That's what debt will do to you. That's what not having a financial plan will do to you. It becomes a horror movie very, very fast. God is saying, give careful thought to your ways. When it comes to finances, this is so important. Listen, stuff is important to God. Stuff, Jesus talked about money and stuff and possessions. Half of his stories are about that. How many think prayer is important? Prayer, prayer, prayer. Why do we think prayer is important? Because the Bible talks about it. Okay, the Bible talks five times more about money than it does about prayer. Notice when God is saying in Haggai, give careful thought to your ways, we ought to have some time to give careful thought to our ways. This is not filler. This is what God is asking of us. And it may not make sense to everybody. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 puts it this way. Where is the wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of the day? He has, has, not, has, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the, of the world, of the man? And listen, here's what God is saying. It's like 
the smartest person in the world might look at some of this stuff we're about to tell you and say, that's dumb. Okay, that's dumb. And God says, nope, my ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We've got to come to a place where we understand not just the first five, but let's go deeper, okay? Let's, let's unpack the five that I've given you already. Income, that's the first one. Okay, the world would tell you, do whatever you got to do, anything to make more money. I mean, if you have to be away from your family, make more money. If you got to move away from everybody, make more money. Just make more money, more money, more money, more. Just make more money. That's, that, let that become your focus, your driving force. And I would say to you, we need to look at the biblical aspect of this. Write this down. And look at calling versus compensation. Calling versus compensation. What are you called to? Here's the truth. There is, there's no amount that will ever bring you fulfillment in life. What will bring you fulfillment is knowing the purposes of God for your life. And so we step back and we say, well, even if I had to make less, if I know that I'm smack dab in the middle of the will of God, I know that that calling will bring me fulfillment. We're not here just to chase money. We're here to chase the calling and purposes of God. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Compensation versus calling, calling versus compensation. And here's what we want to do to help you find your calling, and that's called our growth track. We do it basically every month. And last week, guess what? We had 99 people go through step one. Let's welcome them again. Grateful all of you guys are joining the church. Step one and step two, step three, step four, just, it, it's consecutive weeks, four weeks, and we will help you find your purpose. Not because we're super smart, but because God's word just works. So today is step two. They're learning step two. Step three is next Sunday at 1015. You can even join Next Sunday, you can do the classes out of order, but we want to help you find out what makes you unique. What makes you special? What, what, is, what has God gifted you with and then set you loose in, our, in your passions? We're going to start a, 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 an evening growth track starting in the month of November. We're going to do a, a growth track during the daytime at 1015 and at night at 515 just to help others connect with it. We're so passionate about this. We want everybody to discover their purpose because when you can earn as much as you heart, your little heart's desires and still not be fulfilled. It's like the multimillionaire who came to talk with his pastor one day, sitting across the desk, and he's crying. He's weeping, this multimillionaire to his pastor. He says, Pastor, I have made more money than I ever thought I ever would. I can afford anything, and I mean everything. His tears streaming down his face, he says, but I would do anything to trade shoes with you. To which the pastor looked at him with tears in his face and said, and I would give anything to trade shoes with you. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. It's not about the amount. Sure, we want to be comfortable. Sure, I, I get that. But the amount is not going to bring fulfillment in your life. When you're serving in your passions, ladies and gentlemen, that's the only time when you're able to serve in your passions. God says, I'm going to bring fulfillment in your life. The secret to life. The secret. It's not about a book on Oprah Winfrey. The secret of life is to discover your purpose. And when you're living in that, God has you come alive. Listen, we are so, so dependent on God for this. That life is not about how much you get. It's about how much of the calling of God you could do while you still have breath in your body. Can I hear an amen, everybody? 
here's four steps that we want to take you on as a church. We want you to know God really well. We want to get you close to God. That's our Sunday experience. We want you to bring your friends, and, and people will get to know him here. And then we want you to find freedom in small groups. Don't do life alone. Connect in, in groups because we're not called to do life alone. Then number three, go through our growth track, discover purpose. Number four, get on the dream team. And listen, make an eternal difference. Learn what that feels like. All the stories from the last four weeks in the I Love My Church series, all of, everybody on the dream team went home saying, man, I had a part in that. I was able to make an eternal difference because of what I did to serve people. We want to help you with that. We want to help with both sides, finances and calling, because we don't need more money to live on. We need something to live for. People are dying, searching for something to live for, and I want to help you find that. I want, I want you to get in a place where you could say, I was made for this. Is there a place in your life where you could say that in serving people? I was, I was made for this. I was made to make a difference. Remember, the first principle First five principles are great, but if you don't learn these other five, you're going to miss it. First five. Number one is income. Second one was for spending. Okay, Acts. Well, let me read one more verse. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. This is, again, to help you know about calling. Paul says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Nothing. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus gave me. The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. Okay, look at me, everybody. On your deathbed, if you earned more money than you could ever spend, that wouldn't bring you the peace and the satisfaction and fulfillment. Nobody on their deathbed ever says, I just wish I would have worked more. Wish I would have just worked for five more dollars. I promise you, everybody on their deathbed that has regret, the regret comes because they did not find purpose and they did not invest their life relationally with people. Think about it. Consider our ways, Haggai says. Consider your ways. Because this is a very, very important thing in our life. Number two, when it comes to spending, yes, we need to, to guard our spending, but let's go to a deeper issue, all right? Because you're not going to understand spending until you understand contentment versus consumerism. Contentment. Versus consumerism. Consumer, we live in a society that's like consume it, consume it. Get the newest, the latest, and the greatest. And sales come out, and advertisements come out, and billions of dollars are spent just to get you in the store to buy stuff that you don't even really need. I'm telling you, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, puts it the right way when he says, Beware! Exclamation point. Do I have your attention now? Yes, you do. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how much stuff you have. It's not that at all. I'm telling you, everybody, in our society, everybody wants what they want, and they want it when? Right now. So charge it. If you can't afford it, doesn't matter. Charge it. We want what our parents have worked for 40 years for. We want that in our 20s. And we start charging stuff, and we start buying cars we can't afford and houses we can't afford. Contentment is not sexy. It's not, I mean, it's super boring. It's not something that you're like, hey, you know what? I'm driving this 1982 Datsun, and it's amazing. You don't get high fives like, dang, where'd you get that 82? That's amazing. High fives for saving money. No. You don't get any kids asking you, hey, can I drive that to prom? No, you don't. But you don't, 
you know what's better than having a cool car is being able to sleep at night. Being able to breathe because there's margin in your life. The happiest people in the world are, to me, it doesn't seem like they're the ones with the most stuff. To me, oftentimes, the people who are the happiest oftentimes have the least. And if you don't believe me, come on a missions trip with us. Next year, we're going to Nicaragua. By, in, by invitation of the president, we're coming to Nicaragua, and we're going to believe God to change a nation. We're going to share the love of God. We're going to bring in aid and medical teams, and, and we're going to preach Jesus to them and let them know about the hope and healing that's available in Jesus Christ. How many would like to go on that trip? Come on. There's a lot of you. Well, you're going to need a budget. You need, no, need, to, need to stop spending some things and really save for it, and you can go, and you can make a difference. But I promise you, man, you'll see kids that have a stick that are more happy than kids with an iPad here in America. You need to see that. I believe everybody needs to go on a mission trip at least once to appreciate how blessed we really are. This is a biblical value. Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it's like to be in need. We all have been there. We know what it's like to be, have, you know, have plenty and have a lot. I've learned the secret of being, say this word out loud. When's the last word that's ever even come out of our mouth? I'm content. I'm good. In every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, here's, here's what you need to realize, okay? Look at me, everybody. You are already blessed. I don't think you heard me. Let me try this side. You're already blessed. Like, realize if God never did another stinking thing, we are the most blessed people just knowing that God has made provision possible for eternal life. And then on top of that, he gives us a roof over our head and food in our belly. Come on, let gratefulness come back into your life and say, God, thank you. I'm not worried about what I don't have. Thank you so much for what I do have right now. Come on, can we clap our hands and thank God? You're blessed, you're blessed. Turn and tell somebody, you're blessed, you're blessed. You are blessed. Tell them, because you're sitting by me. <laughs> Listen, we're entering a season of Christmas where people are about to lose their minds. To buy things they cannot afford for people they don't even really like. For gifts that will be thrown out by March, but you will be paying for it till the year 2020. I'm begging you. Look at me, everybody. I'm begging you. Please don't go, go crazy this year. Please don't go in debt. If all you have to do is bake some cookies and, 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 and say, this is, Merry Christmas. Don't try to impress other people. Trying to keep up with the Joneses. We don't even know who the Joneses are. You will be able to breathe. Just because other people bless you like crazy. And if you can't afford it, then Wait. Wait, wait on it. Give them a card. If you can't give a card, just go take a picture of a card and send them the picture of the card. <laughs> this is the card I wanted to give you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm begging you, don't try to outdo last Christmas if you don't have the money for it. And for kids, listen, yeah, buy them a gift or something, but don't spend all the money in gifts. Build memories. All the kids are like, wait a second. That's, that's heresy, mom. We need to find a new church. Listen, kids will forget the gifts. You can't even remember what you got two years ago. But you can, you can remember the memories and the times that special that were made. Number three, save. 
save. The world will tell you to save. Well, the world doesn't tell you to save, but a financial planner would tell you to save. That's good. But here's the one problem with that. If you're not careful, you begin to feel like, like that's your source. Okay, I'm good. I'm good because I got money in the bank. Okay, listen. We need to be dependent on God, not independent. We need to be dependent on God, not so much just independent. We need, you know that term, financially secure? That's not even a real thing. We should not be dependent on our finances. We ought to be dependent on God. He's the only one who can bring true security. Here's a verse, Proverbs 18, 11. It says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Okay, watch this. They imagined it, a wall too high, too high to scale. They thought it was their fortified city. They thought they were financially secure, but they imagined it. Let me prove it to you. Matter of fact, the recession of 2008 proved that to all of us. We, we don't get our security from stuff. In God, we trust. It's, all, it's printed on your money. Let's go back to what is printed on our money. In God, we still trust when it comes to our finances. We're not looking for finances and to get rich. We're looking at, to a God who richly blesses us with all things. Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9 say this, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. I want to be in the middle. I want to be comfortable. Not rich. Being rich is not a sin. It's not bad. It's awesome. But the problem is few people can handle it. If you can handle it, the prosperity of the Lord will come on you, and he'll bless you because you understand you're blessed to be a blessing, not to just hoard it all. But this guy's praying like, hey, don't give me great riches or poverty. Just give me my daily bread, what we need. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Like, I forgot him. Like, I got this, God. Why do we got to go to church so much? Why I got to give so much? You know, we talk to a lot of church planters, and they say in financially well uh, 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 set areas, it's difficult to try to reach people because they feel like, I don't need anything. And I'm just telling you, finances can't save your soul. So let's pray, God, if you're going to bless me with money and inventions and prosperity, help me to use it for the glory of God, to reach people, to pour in so that I could change eternity. Amen, everybody. He goes on to say, or I may become poor and steal and dishonor your name. God, I don't want that in my life at all. We're, we're, we're going to trust God. Number four, invest. Invest. Well, the world would just tell you invest to make more money, but I would like to add, we need to look at stewardship versus ownership. Stewardship versus ownership. Here's what it means. Everything belongs to God. And if I'm an investor, here's what an investor does. An investor invests in certain things with the owner's interests in mind. They can't just invest whatever they want to. We're thinking about what the, this isn't even my money. Stewards manage something for somebody else with their priority in mind. When we come to God, it all belongs to you, God, and help me just to have the, the insight and the wisdom to honor you in everything that I do. God owns it all. And if we get this, then we look at all of our stuff. Okay, I look at my house, our cars, our, our finances, our, t- our talents, our resource, and say, God, help me. Teach me how to leverage all of this for eternal purposes. Because it, it's not mine. It all belongs to God. And thank God for everything that he's blessed us with. He wants to bless you to bless you so you can enjoy some of it. Yes, that's, that's okay. But then we pray, God, help me to leverage all the rest to make the biggest impact possible. Not just my tithe, everything. Matthew 6, 19. Matthew 6, 19 says it this way. 
Don't store up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in where? Did you know you could do that? You could store up treasures in heaven one day when we stand before God where nothing can, nothing can rust that away. Nobody can steal those treasures in heaven. Let's make sure that we're honoring God. Number five, let's end with this. Generosity versus misery. We need to look at generosity versus misery. It's funny, misery is where we get our word miserable. I think you'd probably agree with this statement that the most miserable people on planet earth are the most greedy people. And it seems to be the most happy people on the earth are the ones who are the most generous. You'd agree with this statement as well. Greedy people make the the world worse. Generous people make the world better. Come on, yes or no? Greedy people make the world worse. Generous people make the world better. So let's be generous. Let's be generous with our time, our talents, our treasures. Let's be givers. And there's, there's kindness cards that we give you. It just says, God loves you, no strings attached. Take some of these cards in the lobby. We'll print some more up even next week. But take those and pay for the, somebody's coffee in the drive-thru. Be generous. Go out to lunch today, leave a fat tip, and leave a church card. Do not leave a church card if you're going to leave a little tip. You know what? Let me give you a tip. You just need to come to church. Do not do that. But I think it's important that we, are, we live generously. Live with an open hand. Because listen, if you live close-fisted, God can never put anything back in it. God, it's all yours. You want to take some? Here you go. You want me to give some? Sure. And God always replenishes. He always, because he, he knows now you can be trusted for the funnel to be a conduit of God's financial blessing to others. The value of your life, listen to me please, is not determined by how much you achieve and accomplish. It's based on how much of your life can you give away. At the end of your life, that's what you're going to be wanting to know. This last verse, 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to a young preacher and he says, command them, meaning the church, command the church to do good, to be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will store up treasures in heaven. Some of you are asking, how do I store up treasures in heaven? He just told us. In this way, you'll lay up treasures in heavens as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of the life that's truly life. We all look to people who have a lot of stuff and we think, man, if I could just just have that, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. It's the condition of your soul. If you can't be happy and faithful with $1,000, why would God give you a million? God wants to bless us. He's a great father. But let's just make sure we're using that blessing to establish his kingdom on the earth and bless other people. Sure, take some for you. Sure, give some to your family. Sure, leave an inheritance. Those are great. But I'm just telling you, you will take hold of life and you will say this is living. Because write this last point down. God's way works. It just works. God's way absolutely works. Come on, if you believe that, let's give the Lord a big hand and say good amen.